Hello friends, family, fans, and players of the GMHL. Welcome back to episode 3 of the Inside the GMHL podcast. I'm your host JR, and thanks for joining me today. So this being the first episode following Remembrance Day, I did just want to make mention uh, to anybody who's been affected or is proud family of somebody who served in the military or is currently serving i just wanted to you know just let you guys know how proud i am to be from a military family myself and just say i know it's not easy but i'm sending you all the support i can give you uh you know watching your loved ones go off to serve is never easy my grandfather served my my father grew up military family and so i know exactly what it's like and i just wanted to say uh, my respect goes out to anybody who served this country. My respect goes out to anybody who's given their life to serve their country and do better. And so thank you very much and happy Remembrance Day. But we have an exciting episode for you here on the third episode of the Inside the GMHL podcast. Once again, thank you to everybody who's been listening so far. It does mean a lot. We're averaging about 150 listens per episode, which is amazing and more to come so on today's episode of inside the gmhl we have a couple of moves from the tottenham thunder to talk about the gmhl released both its november player power rankings and its team power rankings we had rivalry week last week in the gmhl and we also check in on a couple of gmhl alumni who are now playing ncaa division one hockey so to start it off i just wanted to touch base on a couple of moves that the tottenham thunder made first of all they sent Philippe Filardo, who was one of the leading scorers in the league at the time and still continues to be, to the Temiskaming Titans in the North Division. Uh, Filardo looks to slot in on a strong Temiskaming Titans team, be one of their their leaders at a very young age, uh, as such he was doing on Tottenham. And then they also sent Derek Pryor to the St. George Ravens. So St. George also looking to kind of load up, uh, having a good bit of success here over the last couple of weeks and really looking to you know fine-tune their way as they try and make a run towards the top of the south division with the three strongest teams in the division as always before we get started with all the content i just wanted to give a quick rundown of the division standing so far in the north right now we have the ville marie pirates in first place with 27 points in 17 games uh, they are first in terms of points the first team in terms of winning percentage would be the Brad- bradford rattlers at 11 1 and 1 uh, so 23 points in 13 games and and four points behind Ville-Marie, but with four games in hand. And then Timiskaming right behind them, 19 points in 16 games. West Nip and Meaford, both with 14 points. However, Meaford does have six games in hand at West Nipissing. Uh, South Muskoka rounds out the top seven. And then Bancroft at 2-11, and 11, and they've been playing games against both the North and South Division. Uh, and some really strong competition there. They've had some really good games. In the South Division, we have... Three teams still at the top of the division, but one of them has seemingly cooled off considerably. So we had three one-loss teams at the time of the last podcast. Now we have two one-loss teams. So North York Renegades at 16-1-0 with 32 points. Durham Roadrunners at 12-1-0. And then the Bradford Bulls, who had lost two in a row at one point to both the uh, Renegades themselves and the Rattlers, uh, with their third loss, because they're 12-3-0, also coming against against the Renegades. Tottenham still holds strong in that four spot with 21 points in 18 games. St. George has been riding hot lately, and they've climbed their way up. They're in fifth with a game in hand at Tottenham, so they could easily flip-flop in the standings there. 
Northumberland and Niagara uh, with six and five wins each. And then down closer to the bottom of the division, we have Windsor, uh, who's 2-15. and 15. Uh, And then Streetsville, who's still looking for their first win on the season. And lastly, as we throw it over to the West, we obviously have the powerhouse High Prairie Red Wings team at 17-0-0, looking as strong as ever as they make a run to win another West Division championship. Northern Alberta is in second place uh, at 11-4-1, but there is another undefeated team. So down in fifth place is the Mackenzie Mountaineers. They've only played seven games so far, so they have 10 games in hand on High Prairie, but they are 7-0-0. Third place would be the Edson Eagles with 10-5-1 record, 21 points in 16 games. Uh, And then that's where the winning records kind of stop. We do have Slave Lake in fourth place, uh, 7-9-0, and just some really strong games over the last couple of weekends I've been seeing. Uh, Kitty Matt uh, does have a winning record at 3-2 in their five games. Fox Creek, uh, six points in 16 games. And then we have a few teams still looking to pick up their first ones of the season in Tumbler Ridge, Burns Lake, and Gibbons. Tumbler Ridge or Burns Lake are guaranteed to get at least one of them their first win in the next couple of weeks because they do have matches up against each other. And so it'll be interesting to see who uh, who comes away with the win in those matchups. Next up, I just wanted to go over the team power rankings that the GMHL released. Uh, These were released on November 2nd, and so obviously things have changed a little bit in the last couple of weeks. But at the time, they had the North York Renegades moving up from 6 in the preseason to the number one overall team. Uh, The High Prairie Red Wings moving up from 4th in the preseason to the number two overall team. Uh, The Bulls moving up from 8 to number three. Vilmarie Pirates dropping from the first team in the preseason rankings to 4th. Durham dropping a couple of spots from 3rd to 5th. Uh, Bradford dropping four whole spots from number two to number six. I think we'll probably see a change there as we as we approach the next team power rankings. The Knights of Meaford stayed exactly the same with their preseason power ranking of seven and came in at seven. Uh, the first team that wasn't ranked in the preseason to actually make their debut was the McKenzie Mountaineers. So they made their debut at number eight after not being ranked in the preseason. The Titans dropped from number five to number nine. The Tomahawks also were not ranked in the preseason, but came in at number 10. And then in the honorable mentions, we had the Tottenham Thunder and the West Nipissing Lynx. And so there should be a few changes as the December team power rankings come out. But a few of those teams are going to consistently be at the top of the team power rankings for what I assume is going to be the majority of the season. Teams like High Prairie, who's just a a dominant powerhouse. North York, who's been looking really good and only taken one loss. Same with Durham. The GMHL also released its player power rankings for November, and I'm just going to go over some of the bigger changes in the divisions. Uh, so Corey Richardson from the West Nipissing Lynx is now ranked the number one goalie in the North Division. He was previously number five, and we had two unranked players jump into the top five for goalies as well. That's uh, Maxime Audette from the Pirates at three, and Oliver Bellage at number five from the Bradford Rattlers. We did have the same number one in terms of skaters for the North Division. That's Jordan Riviere from the Bill Murray Pirates. We had Jesper Erickson and Hunter Godmere both in the top five from the Rattlers, but they switched positions, so Erickson is now the number two ranked player. Godmere at number four. We did have a player make their debut in the top six who was previously unranked, so because the Knights of Meaford hadn't played any games prior to the first power rankings... Declan Flanagan was not eligible to be ranked, but he comes in at number six and at the top defenseman in the North Division, Declan Flanagan from the Knights of Meaford. We also had Braden Mitchell make a huge jump for the Muskoka Shield. He was at number 17 and came in at number eight. 
And Stefan Filion from the West Embassy Lynx was previously number 19. And he went down to number 10. And then we had a debut from the South Division. So Philippe Filardo came in at number 11 in the North Division. Previously, he was number 4 in the South Division. So he did an entirely division swap there. We had unranked Levitsky from the Rattlers making his debut. Uh, Etienne Bork from the Pirates making his debut as well. Uh, Polak from the Knights. And, and that's, you know, a strong North Division. A lot of really strong players there in the South Division. We saw zero changes in the goalies. So Dominic Marquise from the Bradford Bulls still at number one, all the way down to Arlen Beattie from the Tottenham Thunder at number five. One to five was the same as before, but we did have a change at the top of the skaters. And so previously ranked number six in the South Division, we had Ryan Fritz from the North York Renegades jump up to number one. Uh, Ryan Hunter, who was the previous number one, is now number two. And we had a giant leap for a player that I got to watch in person, and that's Jedi Summersall from the North York Renegades, defenseman who is now the top-ranked defenseman in any of the leagues and also made a jump from number 18 all the way to the number three skater in the South Division. And so a huge jump for Summersall there. Uh, Joseph Leonti from the Renegades made a jump from 11 to 5. We had a player who was previously unranked make his debut, Dennis Golovacha, for the Tottenham Thunder at 7. Uh, other unranked players were Malcolm Campbell from the Ravens, Kyle Smith from the Roadrunners, Urquhart from the Roadrunners. Of the only falls, we had Josh Booker from the Bulls go down from 3 to number 14, and Reese Bishi from the Niagara Predators go from number 9 to number 19. In the West Division, because we had so many teams just start their seasons at the time of us uh, doing the first player power rankings or had yet to start their seasons they weren't eligible so we have a whole ton of new players on the west division player power rankings uh, in the goalie side bradley ronson from the red wings stays at number one but we have cole weber from the mckenzie mountaineers who was not eligible to rank before come in at number two we also have philip lead from slave lake ice dogs at number four uh, and justin schaefer from the edson eagles rounds out the top five there in the West Division, for skaters, we were guaranteed to have a new number one player as the number one player previously from October was no longer eligible to be ranked. And we had Keegan Ferguson from the High Prairie Red Wings jump all the way from number 11 to number one. We had Andres Kale make his debut at number two for the McKenzie Mountaineers. Terrell Schott from the Tomahawks make his uh, jump from number eight to number three. The, the top-ranked defenseman was still DeAndre McCarthy from the Tomahawks at number five. Uh, unranked players, Caden Cardinal from the Ice Dogs made his debut at 6. Uh, Louis Allen from the Mountaineers was unranked, came in at number 10. And yeah, so of the drops, the, the one only one of uh, serious consideration was Michael Beaverbones from the Tomahawks, who went from 3 to number 13. But a lot of really talented players got underway with, uh, with the season starting for a lot of the BC teams. And that's reflected here in the GMHL player power rankings. The GMHL also named its Players of the Month for October. So all the stats that I'm about to name off were as of November 7th at the time. Um, but these were the players that stood out above all at their positions and the rookie player in the month of October. And so the forward of the month for October was Jordan Riviere from the Villemarie Pirates. At the time, he had 45 points in 15 games for the first place in the North Division. He was tied for third in both goals and assists, and he had already matched his point total from 2021-2022, and he was only 15 games into the season so far. 
defenseman of the month was Jedi Summersall. He's been a top defenseman in the league. North York at the time was 13-1 when he was named defenseman of the month. He was leading all the GMHL East leagues, so the North and South in scoring amongst defensemen with 31 points in 14 games and just looking like a really elite captain for the North York Renegades. The goaltender of the month was Bradley Ronson from the High Prairie Red Wings. He's In the last three seasons, he's played 30 games. He has not taken a loss. He's 29-0-0 in those last 30 games, including an 8-0 start to this season. Uh, he's the league leader in goalie wins, 7th in the league in goals against average, 6th in the league in the save percentage. Uh, he's defending Russell Cup champion. And yeah, he's 21 years old and he looks like a stud out in net for the High Prairie Red Wings that they can build their championship hopes around for the rest of the season. And the rookie of the month for the GMHL was Philippe Filardo. So at the time, he was tied for the highest scoring player in the South Division with 42 points in 14 games for the Thunder before he was acquired by the Temiskaming Titans. And he slots in as the Titans leader in points by 15 over the next leading scorer. That's Nathan Hardy. 17 years old, Filardo had... 15 goals and 27 assists before the move into his first season of junior hockey. Um, you know, committing to the GMHL, Filardo played three different levels, all for the Sec de la Senor program, and yeah, 42 points in 14 games. This kid is legit, and at 17 years old, he's got many more years of promising hockey ahead of him. Last week was also dubbed Rivalry Week in the GMHL. We had the top of the West Division, High Prairie Red Wings and the Northern Alberta Tomahawks. Uh, coming together for a matchup there with the Red Wings taking the win. We had the Temiskaming Titans and the Ville-Marie Pirates coming together to play a matchup there as well in the Battle of Quebec with the Ville-Marie Pirates taking the win in that matchup. And then we had the first true crossover of the two divisions, the South and the North, um, come together when the Bradford Rattlers went to the Bob Fallis Arena to take on the Bradford Bulls. The Rattlers were able to take home a win that night. And that was the first kind of test that we've seen between the North and the South. I know that the Bulls have a couple of more matchups against some of the stronger teams in the GMHL North. And that would be the Titans, uh, the Pirates, and then also another matchup with the Rattlers themselves. So that's something to keep up on. But yeah, these rivalries in the GMHL help to keep things, you know, fresh. I mean, renewed, having those teams that, you know, you kind of kind of up your game against when you know you're going to be playing at an elite level, that's that's definitely something that is only beneficial for the league. Mm -hmm. Lastly, the GMHL also took the opportunity to spotlight two alumni who are now playing in NCAA Division I. Uh, that's Joseph Leahy and Blake Bennett, both of whom who played for the Halton Ravens consecutively, one in 2013-2014, that's Leahy, and then 2014-15 was Bennett. Uh, so Bennett's currently studying and playing hockey at the American International College, AIC, in NCAA Division I. Uh, he is the top goal scorer of his team with 8 goals and 6 assists for 14 points in 11 games. Before playing for AIC, Blake played for the Halton Ravens in 2014, where he posted 16 goals and 23 assists for 39 points in 30 games. He went on to play in the Null in 2018 for the Corpus Christi Ice Rays, where he tallied 22 goals and 38 assists for 60 points in 59 games. So far in his NCAA career, Bennett has played 53 games. He scored 30 goals and 21 assists for almost a point per game of 51 points in his 53 games. Uh, Leahy is currently studying and playing hockey at the University of Vermont. The school is a public land grant research university in Burlington, Vermont, founded in 1791. He's a graduate student at the school and as of right now has no points in seven games so far, but six penalty minutes. Before playing in Vermont, 
Joseph started his career with the Ravens, where he had three goals and 13 assists for 16 points in 26 games as a defenseman. He then spent some time in the OJHL and the BCHL before playing at Cornell University for two seasons. After the pandemic forced him out of the 2020 season, he transferred to University of Vermont in 74 games in the NCAA. Joseph has tallied six goals and 16 assists for 22 points, as well as 40 penalty minutes and a plus-minus of plus 15. And so the GMHL wanted to wish all the best to Blake and Joseph in their educational and athletic endeavors. And now we're going to be throwing it over to our interview with Bradford Rattlers head coach David Mooney, who we were lucky enough to be able to sit down with before his game against the South Muskoka Shield on Sunday, November 13th. Next up on the podcast, we have former coach with the University of Toronto, the Aurora Tigers, the North York Rangers, and most recently head coach of the Hill Academy U18 AAA program. Please help me welcome the Bradford Rattlers head coach, David Mooney. Welcome, David. Yeah, thanks for having me, JR. Yeah, and thanks for coming on, and congrats so far on the success of the Rattlers season. You guys are playing really well to start off. Yeah, no, it's been fun so far. I'm new to the Rattlers, new to the league, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been really fun. I've been... I don't. I didn't really know much about the league going in, mm-hmm. um, but I got to know Sean a little bit last year, and uh, yeah, so I got a little bit of a taste of what it was like yeah. being up here. And it's obviously we have a great facility, and Sean, I could tell right away he was pretty passionate about this team and getting to you know meet some of the people around the team like yourself. Uh, there's a lot of people that you know invest a lot of time and care about the team, and so. Yeah, no, it's been it's been fun to be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. And Sean's definitely a guy that, you know, he means business. You know, when he's putting together a successful franchise on and off the ice, and whether that means bringing in a proper coach like yourself or putting together game day staff like that, he's somebody who wants excellence in his program. Yeah, no, and I think that, well, that's what you want from, you know, your top guy, and I think that trickles down. It mm-hmm. definitely trickles down to me, and then, you know, I think it trickles down to the players. Just yeah, if you if your manager cares like that, then yeah, it's gonna you know affect everybody else in a positive way. <laughs> and so I just wanted to rewind a little bit in history back to your own playing career. And so before the days when you were coaching, you spent three seasons playing junior A in what's now known as the OJHL for the North York Rangers. Uh, how would you compare hockey both on and off the ice uh, in terms of being a player compared to your current club with the Bradford Rattlers from your days in the OJHL? It's it's a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When I played, yeah, compared to I would say, yeah, it's hockey's changed quite a bit in terms of just even just the training aspect uh, the skill level it's definitely a lot higher I would say skill and speed Um, I'm trying to remember the last time I would have played probably 2011 and then so yeah my last year junior I think was 2008 wow that's making me feel old but (laughs) aging yourself just a little bit but you can even tell just watching the nhl how much faster the games got and how how much like it seems like every guy has a ton of skill now and that kind of it's the same with with junior hockey um like i always thought i i was a skilled player but you see some of the stuff that that guys on our team are doing and you know i there's not a chance i was doing that back in the day yeah but, um, 
But yeah. it, and it almost touches on uh, it's kind of a morbid morbid saying, but the evolve or die of, of hockey essentially. I mean, if you're not getting better, then you're staying stagnant, and everybody else around you is getting better. That, and as speed and skill became more uh, poignant in the game, and became you know way more effectively necessary in order to play the game. I mean, everybody around you, you needed to become quicker. You needed to become more skilled. That, and I'm not saying there's not a a place for grit in the game, but that's not what it evolved to. It evolved to players that are faster, you know, stronger, that are more skilled with the puck in their hands. And, you know, the teams that didn't do that, unfortunately, they, they went the way of the dinosaurs. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, like, obviously, like, we talked to some players, like, we want our players to be tough and play physical and, you know, make other, you know, the other team look over their shoulder when they're picking up pucks in the corners. Um, but yeah, f- for a D man, like you got to be able to break the puck out, right? There's that kind of stay at home D man who's like has limited puck skills. You don't see that very much nowadays. Like there's a lot of like good defensive defensemen that are tough, but you still got to be able to have those puck skills to break the puck out. Else you're probably going to get overlooked for, for somebody else. hundred percent. And so following your time with the Rangers, you committed to and then ended up playing three seasons of U-Sports hockey for the Toronto University of Toronto Varsity Blues. Uh, what was your experience like getting to lace them up for an elite program, you know, here in Ontario in U-Sports? That was, yeah, those were three of the, the best years of my life, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, a lot of good memories and even, yeah, just being part of that team, obviously there's a lot of history with that program. Three great years and, uh, yeah, just a lot of friendships built built through that time. And, you know, I was, that was when I went to U of T, so I was going to the university uh, before I actually made the team and I was playing junior and, and that became one of my goals was to, to make that team. And uh, yeah, no, I was happy when I achieved that, and uh, yeah, I met a lot of a lot of good players along the way, and that I'm still friends with to this day. And I think yeah, like a lot of guys probably say, it's like the memories off the ice that yep. you kind of remember more. I mean, we we had some good teams there. Um, we didn't we didn't go as far as we wanted to in the in the playoffs, but. Uh, yeah, definitely some, some fond memories and, and friendships that last a lifetime, hopefully. Teammates that you're proud to probably call brothers nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, and a couple of them are, well, one of them just had kids, so it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy now. Everybody's growing up around yeah. you. I'm in that same situation here. Best friends and former teammates all getting married and having kids, and it's like, wow, like, we're, we're all growing up alongside each other, and it's just crazy to think about. One of the things that you mentioned when you were just talking about U of T there um, was that you would set a goal to make the U of T varsity team, um, and then, you know, you obviously ended up achieving that. Is that something that you try and work with with the Rattlers players, too, is, you know, goal setting and working towards achieving very specific goals? Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations um, at kind of at the beginning of the season and, and we continue to have conversations with guys about you know what do they want to do next year or after they're done with the rattlers because um, that's yeah that's important to me as a coach to try and help them achieve their goals uh, on the individual level mm-hmm. and obviously like I have a, a couple connections and 
Uh, a lot of people around the team have some connections. So, we, yeah, we want to help get these guys um, to the next level if that's something they want to do yep. after, after junior hockey. Um, so, yeah, we've had a lot of those conversations. And, yeah, we've been... I know we've started to reach out to a couple teams because uh, we do have a couple guys that this will be their last year, and mm -hmm. so hopefully we can help those guys uh, continue hockey. Yeah, players like uh, like Rodine and Godmir come to mind, Erickson as well. They, yeah. Here in their last year, you know, playing exceptionally well on the ice, and, you know, you would think that they're going to be getting opportunities at the next level, but, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, what can they do themselves, and, you know, how can the people around them, like yourself and Sean, help them to achieve that next level of hockey? Yeah, and, yeah, part of it is, yeah, we want to promote our players and, uh, yeah, reach out, make contact with teams on their behalf uh, to, you know, maybe just get some conversation started between them and, and other teams. Um, and then, of course, the other part of my job, probably the, the more important, is just kind of preparing them for, for next year. Because... Mm -hmm. uh, whatever I mean it is this is good hockey but whatever they're playing next year I mean these guys have expressed interest some of them playing pro hockey or playing uh, U sports and you know that's you're playing against men right it's yep. not just 16 to 20 year olds most of those guys are in their early 20s and fully developed and have played you know most of those guys come from a high pedigree whether it's U sport I mean that league's a lot of OHL or major junior players and then obviously pro hockey is going to have a lot of good guys with some resumes so just trying to get them to play the right way especially on the defensive side because yeah, we have a lot of guys that have good offensive skills I there's not too much at, at least you know I show them maybe the odd thing but I think right now I'm definitely focusing more on the defensive side of the puck and taking right angles and being in good position that sort of thing trying to develop those good two-way players the two with the 200 foot yeah game, because said. yeah you go to the next level you might be a you know first second line player at this level but you know the next level up you're probably not going to start mm -hmm. on the first or second line you, you you're probably gonna have to work your way up and uh so you gotta you know third if you're on the third or fourth line you you got to bring something to the table if you're not scoring goals. And you were seeing that having, you know, experience coaching at the next level with the University of Toronto, who after you played for, you didn't end up coaching with as an assistant coach at U of T. And, you know, how would you say that your experience at U of T helped you prepare for, for the role of, you know, developing players as the head coach of the Rattlers who maybe would want to go and play at U of T or a different U sports program one day? Yeah, I think U of T, I... Well, I learned a lot as a player, just with the, the preparation and just like how much effort goes into like from the coaching staff to prepare for practice or prepare for a game. And I think that was probably like the main thing with, with U of T is even just little, like showing up on time, you know, eating properly, being like we took fitness training really seriously there so um yeah obviously just being prepared before the puck even drops mm -hmm. and yeah that's definitely something i've tried tried to take away and bring to this team just to be as, as prepared as you can 
Um, and, and some of them, we like we have some young players, so it's it, there's definitely some some teaching involved with that, just on you know how to yeah prepare your body for battle. And there's a, there's a saying I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but if you fail to prepare prepare, then you're preparing to fail. Yeah. You know, and 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 it really goes a long way just in terms of you know teaching them what it takes in order to, to put in the work prior to being on the ice. You know, a lot of players will go out, you know, they'll give everything that they have for a 60-minute game on the ice, but it takes even more than that to be successful at the next level. It's going to take the work off the ice, you know, like you said, whether it be training, whether it be the nutrition in your body. I know Nathan McKinnon from the Colorado Avalanche is seen as, like, a nutrition freak, like, to his teammates, but it's just all those different things that you need to prepare in order to be successful at the next level and at your current level, too. Absolutely, and yeah, yeah. With the U of T, the the one thing I remember, at least with the teams I was involved with, is we didn't always have the most most talent on our team, but we we worked hard, and I think that's that's some even at that level, like the university level, I would say is, you know, the just the compete level, especially like on a shift to shift basis or game to game even in practice it's it's definitely very high yep and that's what i you know try to to bring to our guys is just consistent work ethic and yeah if you can if you can do that you're gonna set yourself up for success um and yeah i think that's like that's the one thing i probably see with with young players is is it's tough for them to be consistent shift to shift or even just game to game but if yeah, if you can be that that guy who you kind of the coach knows what you're gonna bring every game, I think that will will definitely help you. Yeah, the, the consistency, like you know, this person, this person or player is working hard. You know, this is what they're gonna be doing. You know, on a game to game or a day to day basis, like you were saying, like that's that's huge for a coach to be able to be able to rely on you. Exactly. Yeah, you wanna be able to trust. Yeah, and rely on your players and know that they're gonna you know give you their best every game now most recently before you took over in bradford you were the head coach of the prestigious hill academy u18 AAA program a program that's seen players like nhl stars mitch marner and shane wright play through it as well as help advance countless players to college pro and major junior teams what was the most rewarding part in helping players prepare for advancement in the prep school fashion at the hill i think yeah with the Hill, yeah, no, that was, well, it is a great school, and uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely have some fond, fond memories there. I was there for, I want to say, maybe seven years. I, like, that's where I first started coaching, and then, yeah, I came back, and that was where I most recently coached, and yeah, no, it was, it's just a cool environment. They obviously, they have a very good la- lacrosse program, yep. and yeah you just you have a ton of really competitive people in that environment and all pushing each other in the in the gym pushing each other on the ice so um yeah no i think it's it's just a really good culture at that school i think i missed the first part of your question oh Oh, the most rewarding yeah yeah most rewarding i think was just seeing uh probably seeing guys get better like Mm -hmm. after a season and that's yeah that's part of even like junior I'm excited to see at the end of the year like 
just helping these guys get better. And that was one thing at the Hill. Uh, we, we had, you know, there's, there would be some guys as part of the, I was with the prep program, so sometimes they would come in grade 10 and maybe leave at after grade 12. So you'd spend three years with the player and just to see the how much they grown and matured, not only as a player, but as a person, it's, that's, and to know that you help them get to that level, that's definitely rewarding. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to guide them through the progression yeah. at that point. Not that you're like solely responsible for <laughs> it, but yeah, to be a part of that, to, to see the improvement is, it's pretty fun to see. I mean, you know, that you're like, hey, Shane Wright going like in the top of the NHL yeah. draft. That was him being at the hill, and that was me being at the hill. I yeah. don't know. I'm just saying. Look at the look at the coincidences here. Yeah. Uh, and so, do you think that your your work with the hill, as well as in the OJ and in U Sports, helped you prepare to aid in the advancement of players from the Rattlers? You know, like you said, like at the end of the day, whatever the player wants to do is what you kind of want to help them do in terms of advancement, whether that means going to youth sports or going to pro teams. Uh, and if so, in what way do you think you could most be an asset to their advancement? I mean, I know you mentioned some of the connections you might have uh, and that, that type of thing. Yeah, no, I, I would say, yeah, no, all those coaching experiences have definitely, pre yeah, prepared me well. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I feel I've been doing it for a while, so I definitely feel like I've, through experience, just recognized how to deal with people a little bit better, whether it's like staff or, or the player. Yeah, it's just, I think a lot of coaching is, is kind of managing relationships. And, um, you yeah, know, I, I try to be honest with the players and I try to be myself. And I think just, yeah, over time, I've kind of, learned how to to handle certain situations whether it's in the game or if there's a conflict with the player um, off the ice how to to handle certain situations so I definitely feel more confident I'm 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 still learning and yeah I'm just even this year I've yeah definitely it's uh you know it's it's kind of a, a lifelong process of learning and you know, I, I feel pretty pretty confident so far, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm sure this year is gonna throw a couple more challenges my way. So uh, yeah, I just gotta be best prepared to to handle them. And I'm lucky we, I have a good staff to, to kind of lean on and that can help me uh, through the, the tough decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I think yeah, just I'm I'm also like I was a, a teacher for a while, so I think going through that I that's kind of what I I try to bring on the ice like for me and junior hockey like we want to win obviously, but yep. I think uh, yeah developing is that's probably number one to me is just trying to get these guys by the end of the year you know developing them on the ice through skills and. And just trying to make them better hockey players, and then also trying to hold them accountable off the ice, so that um, yeah, know they're ready. Whether it's if they're going to be working a job next year, or if they're going to be going to school, or, or playing pro hockey, whatever, whatever their path is, just trying to set them up for success. Mm -hmm. And 
it's a little awkward to hear people say this about you, but from those that I've talked to, they do think that you're one of the, you know, the better coaching minds that's in the GMHL this year. And so just touching on your coaching style, you know, a few words that you've already said come into play, uh, preparation, accountability, are those, are those typically things that you tend to, to lean on in terms of how you coach the team, you know, whether it be off the ice going through video and, you know, having the pregame talks and everything, and then also on the ice from the bench? Yeah, I would say, yeah, preparation, and that's even something that the hill, the mod, like respect and prepare. I feel like every program I've I've been a part of before the Rattlers, is, uh, preparation has been important, and even just joining the the Rattlers program, I can tell, like, yeah, it's well something Sean's he preaches, and. Uh, he, he obviously he's well he set up this whole room here that we're in right now the nice video room so and he I know he he's really pushed me to do video with the, with a lot of the guys yeah. and uh, I think it's it's definitely helped us so far this season um, so yeah I know it's trying to yeah I think like guys learn in different ways so I think yeah the video is a good tool to help them learn obviously you know, you need to practice the skills and, and systems on the ice, but uh, yeah, no, learning through video is definitely a valuable tool as well. Yeah, getting getting to be able to see them and go, hey, this is the situation that you were in. We can look at it together, and you know, it's not not so much of a hey, you maybe did this wrong, but it's a here's a different way that you can think about this the next time it happens in a game. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah, I guess with back to my my style. <laughs> I mean, I'm still. I, I've been coaching a while, but I still kind of view myself as a, a bit of a young coach, so I'm still like probably forming it. But I definitely like I try to yeah be honest with the player and be myself because yeah I, I feel like if you're just fake or guys will see right through that. And I know like yeah there's well there's stories of the old school coaches with the, the mind games and yeah. all that sort of thing and for me that's I'm that's not really my thing <laughs> just try and be I as just, transparent as possible I try and be yeah uh, and sometimes it's it can be like there can be different difficult conversations because mm -hmm. you might not see uh, eye to eye with a player but I like the players to know where I stand on you know how I feel about them yeah. and they might not like it but I find yeah I've I've gotten more respect that way, um, yeah just being honest with them and yeah no just trying to treat them like I would want to be treated and yeah no I think it's it's worked for me so far so I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> I was gonna say clearly it's been working so far in some sort of capacity because the Rattlers do have the top winning percentage in the North Division. Uh, is there specific things that you attribute your success to early on in the season? Uh, good players <laughs> yeah no definitely I, helps. I think we there's definitely some some skill like the offense we've been we've been pretty successful so far so um, and it's it's been fun yeah I I've been on them well we've been as a staff just moving the puck quick trying to make quick plays and some of the stuff we do in practice playing the mini games, whatnot, just trying to get them, you know, making those skilled plays. But uh, yeah, a lot of that's Sean's job, the GM. He, he's brought in some talent, so 
um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing my best to, to manage that talent. And yeah, no, we've been focusing a lot lately just on the defensive side because yeah, the offense has been good now, but usually in, in my experience, as the season goes along, the, the defensive side starts to tighten up and it usually becomes harder to, to score goals. So, uh, yeah, you, you can't be cheating. You got to play the right way. And, uh, yeah, the run and gun teams don't usually last come playoff time. So, yeah, we're just, it's, we've been good so far, but yeah, we want to, we don't want to completely, uh, I guess, let the let the leash go <laughs> yeah well, and that goes you know just kind of like tightening up defensively and practices too goes hand in hand with what you had said earlier with preparing players for the next game because as you said offense generally will translate you know with skilled players I mean but having that work ethic and you know instilling like a defensive mindset especially in the forwards I mean it's so important at the next level to help develop those two-way 200-foot players absolutely yeah no so it's yeah it's for obviously usually the for team success you know the teams that win they're usually the best defensively obviously you need a good goalie but yeah the defensive structure is usually what what wins you championships and then yeah like you said it's it's preparing guys for for the next season because yeah it's, there's not a lot of guys that make it far in hockey just being offensive mm-hmm. offensive talents and then just neglecting defense. <laughs> just ignoring Usually. just ignoring the their own zone. Just going, I'm gonna stay in the neutral zone and then yeah. rip into the O zone, take some shots. I think even guys about Brett Hall, I think he was well, I remember he was a bit notorious for being offense, but even yeah. I remember listening to him or it might have been one of his coaches and he actually became a pretty good defensive player by the end of his career. So, uh, yeah, you can't just be offensive. So for those who are unfamiliar with the Rattlers, um, how would you describe the day-to-day life of a player on the Rattlers and the expectations on and off the ice of those players themselves? Usually, well, we have what's called the academy skills, mm-hmm. and so some of the players do that in the morning. It's it's kind of an extra skill session. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I know we've seen some growth with some of the guys. Not everybody on the team does that because – some guys work, some guys have school. Yep. Um, but for some of the guys who I guess have that time slot available in the morning there, they we've definitely seen seen some growth in their play. So, really beneficial? Yeah, no, it's been good. And then after, so that's in the morning, and then kind of middle of the day, they usually, sh- the whole team shows up, usually one o'clock, mm-hmm. and we do a team workout. Yep. And uh, it's obviously with we played a lot of games recently, so it's been a bit lighter. But uh, some we, earlier in the year we were doing heavy lifts and uh, you know try to do some strength training. But lately it's been more kind of just maintenance, maybe some cardio, some conditioning, yeah, too, yeah. And even lots of stretching just to kind of prevent injuries. And then yeah, after that we usually do our video session mm-hmm. team. It, depends it could be maybe we'll try and be working on some of our systems or maybe it's pre-scout if we got a game the next day we'll we'll pre-scout the other team and maybe just make note of some things that they're doing and then yeah three o'clock we we hit the ice 
and, and practice. Uh, and then, yeah, after, after that, they're, they're usually on their own. Sometimes I'll stick around and maybe chat with a couple guys or do some extra video one-on-one. Yeah. And then, yeah, after that, they're, they're on their own. And so is there anything specific, any goals you'd like to share for the Rattlers as we approach the halfway point of the season in the next month? Anything that you're looking at and going, this is something that we really want to improve or this is an area that we might be lacking in or something that you guys want to continue to be strong at? You know, we've already been doing this really well. I'd like to continue to see that, you know, as we approach the middle of the season and get into the back end of the regular season. I think we we definitely have some tough games coming up. So, yeah, we... We want to. I want to see our team uh, be better defensively. Yep. And I think yeah, we're gonna have. Uh, I think we got a good stretch here. We're gonna be tested. We're playing some pretty good opponents. So I think, I think in the next month and a half or month and a bit, you go to Quebec twice. You have yeah. some of the some of the higher teams. Whether or not you're doing road trips or coming here. So yeah, you do have kind of like more of a tougher schedule coming up. Yeah, and yeah, and the road games. I, well, I've heard it's. I haven't experienced the Quebec road trips, but I, I've heard some stories, and yeah, no, it's probably going to be a, a pretty cool environment to play in. Probably not an easy environment. So it it, it gets loud. I'll say that for <laughs> sure. It gets loud, and most of the like either one of the Quebec teams, especially when the Rattlers are in town, you're expecting sold out crowds. You're expecting the crowds to be loud. Uh, the players are obviously going to be bringing their best from the Bill Marie and Tomiskaming sides because they know that they're going to be playing one of the other top teams in the division. So all in all, it is just it's a great atmosphere when you're going to Quebec. And you guys, I believe, are doing it back-to-back weekends at the end of November and the beginning of December. Yeah, oh. yeah, no, that sounds right. And yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely excited for it. And yeah, I'm I'm excited for our players to to be in that that environment. And I think we'll. Yeah, no, it's, it should be a learning experience. I, like, I'm hoping, obviously, we want to do well, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. And, um, yeah, no, we, hopefully we, we come out on the winning side. We, are, we Obviously, we want to be in first place. Yeah. That's kind of the goal for at least the, the first part of the season. Uh, but, yeah, no, we, we definitely uh, got a lot of tough games, so we're, uh, we're going to have to be ready. And yeah, I guess the other other thing is hopefully we can get our guys some some looks. I know there's that showcase tournament yep. towards the end, so I, I know we've tried to start some conversations uh, with other teams just for for our players, uh, just trying to set them up for next year if they want to move on. So yeah, hopefully uh, we can continue uh, those conversations and and get the ball rolling for some of our guys for next year all right well thank you for coming on david you know that's david mooney head coach of the uh, top winning percentage in the north division rattlers currently in second place in the north division and good luck with your game tonight tonight you're playing the south muskoka shield uh maybe once i edit the interview i'll get the results of that game posted up maybe make sure that we don't have any curse when i bring a guest on the podcast <laughs> and um yeah thank you so much for coming on oh, awesome thanks for having me jr 100 <laughs>
Thank you so much to David. I just wanted to say I really appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me. I'm going to be making my way to Quebec over the next couple of weeks, so hopefully I'm going to be able to bank a couple of interviews with some of the GMs or coaches up in Quebec with Tamiskaming or Ville Marie. I'd also like the chance to sit down with uh, the Bradford Bulls and the North York Renegades, the Durham Roadrunners, and maybe get in a Zoom interview or two with the Western Division. And so that's just kind of what I have on the agenda in terms of interviews coming up. Thank you so much for your continued support, and I hope everybody has a great day and a great weekend. I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.